Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Before I introduce our guest, I want to invite you to an amazing event I'm honored to be a part of. It's the Meet and Marry Mr. Right online course. Join myself along with other top love mentors, including Ariel Ford, Marnie Batista, Ken Page, Dr. Diana Kirshner, Orna and Matthew Walters, Cherry Norris, Johnny and Laura Fernandez, and many more September 19th through October 5th as we walk you through the exact blueprints and success shortcuts that have resulted in thousands of happy marriages around the world. To get free access to this event, simply go to speakingofpartnership.com and click on the Meet and Marry Mr. Right banner at the top of the page. We've compressed over a hundred years of expertise, strategies, and wisdom into mere hours so you can get on the fast track to your Mr. Right. Don't miss out on this life-changing event. Save your seat today. I'm incredibly excited to bring you today's feature guests, actually two guests, Linda and Charlie Bloom. Linda and Charlie, welcome to the show. Glad to be with you. Me too. <laughs> Excellent. For any of you who may not be familiar with Linda and Charlie's work, let me give you a little bit of background. They've been married since 1972. And Linda and Charlie have been working with groups, individuals, couples, and organizations to enhance the quality of their relationships and communication skills since 1975. They both have master's degrees in clinical social work and have lectured, led seminars, and provided consultation at universities and learning institutes throughout the United States and around the world. Linda and Charlie have written and published three books, Happily Ever After and 39 Other Myths About Love, Breaking Through, to the relationship of your dreams. They also wrote Secrets of Great Marriages, real stories from real couples about lasting love. And then there's their best-selling book, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married, Simple Lessons to Make Love Last. This book has actually been translated into several languages and has sold over 100,000 copies worldwide. Their organization, Bloomwork, is dedicated to promoting healthy, fulfilling, and successful relationships for individuals, couples, and organizations. They've served as psychotherapists, marriage counselors, consultants, and seminar leaders since 1975. In addition to their academic and professional training, the Bloom's expertise is in the field of relationships, and it stems from their experience in the crucible of their own committed partnership of over 45 years. Linda, Charlie, Take a minute, add in if there's anything that was missing in that intro, and if you don't mind, give us a little glimpse into your personal life. Mm -hmm. Well, we raised some kids, and we raised ourselves, and we've learned a lot. We've had some hard times in our past, but we've developed some resilience, and we've learned 
from our experiences. And that's what we do when we teach our workshops, that we tell before and after stories. And it seems to inspire people when they hear the dark places we've gone to and how happy we are now and how we're enjoying our relationship so much. That's great. Well, let me ask you something. I'm wondering, I mean, you guys have, you know, 40 plus years of experience in your in your relationship. Do you have a, I call it a guiding principle. Some people it's kind of a mantra or a quote or something that, that kind of keeps you on track when you get a little bit off to the to the side and brings you back into partnership. What, what do you use for that and, and how would our listeners be able to apply it in their lives? Wow, that's a great question, Ken. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's one single principle. Um, it kind of depends upon what the nature of the situation is at the moment, um, uh, which one I, I call on. But basically, I, I try to remind myself uh, during those times that seem to come up for most, if not all, couples occasionally, you know, when things start to get shaky and I'm tempted to slide back into some of my old tried um, and untrue um, <laughs> patterns. Um, I, I try to remind myself that this too shall pass, and that's that's kind of both the good news and the bad news. You know, the the, the good news is that whatever difficulty I'm in now, I know that I'm going to move through it because I have done that historically many many times, and things do change, and sometimes they can change very quickly, um, and. Uh, the bad news about that is, is that this precious uh, relationship, connection that Linda and I share is temporary. And um, when I remember that and I put it in perspective, I put in perspective the the richness and the depth and the value of what we have and how this is not going to last forever and I don't want to waste or miss a moment um, of connection um, that that can get obscured by um, my unwillingness just to be open and honest and considerate and and vulnerable with Linda. When I kind of remember that, it, it really helps me to show up and be honest and be present and kind of drop whatever defenses that I might have um, been tempted to to take on, which in the past I used to take on quite frequently. So it's not that we don't ever have those moments, but they pass uh, for both of us very quickly. They're only moments. They're not long periods of time, hours, days, weeks, or longer, you know, like we used to get stuck in. So, um, you know, when I kind of can just bring that to mind, really helps me to put things in perspective. Yeah, that's that's great. And, you know, like you said, it, it is temporary. Yeah. No matter how long it is, it's still temporary in the bigger scheme of things. So that's that's really great. You know, bring our awareness back to that. Thank you so much for that, Charlie. Well, Linda, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, when you uh, – teach classes and so on, you, you talk about the before and the after, like you said, kind of the dark places. And I, I, I would actually love for us to, to start with the story from there, because our listeners have told us they love the stories that our guests share. And 
I'd like to have you share a story of a time in your life when you, well, you kind of tripped up in your partnership and, and what happened? You know, what, how did you trip up and, and what were you able to learn from that experience that helped you move forward? Mm-hmm. Well, we relocated from the East Coast to the West Coast and our life really drastically changed when Charlie took a corporate job and he was away from home uh, quite a bit of time when the children were small. And I was pretty upset about it, and I really wanted him to lead that job. And it was job charming to him. He was learning so much, and he was having so much of an opportunity to be in service. It was his dream job, but it was really having an impact on the family. And it was a time when both of us were caught up in this myth about how you have to get it off your chest and have to express yourself. And we were both caught in it, and we had some humdinger fights during that time when he was a corporate guy. It would have been difficult enough, just the separations and missing him, and you know how stressful it was taking care of the kids by myself. I really um, was a stress case for a long time. But we made it so much harder to get through it because we didn't have good conflict management skills. And we just... Um, I swore at him and I called him names and I insulted him and I was full of criticism and judgment and he retaliated and we had some rip-roaring fights, uh, a number of them. But we got through it because the love was pretty strong and the commitment was pretty strong. And we learned that there is a way in which you can tell the truth about what you're feeling and what you're needing and leave out all the manipulations and all the blame and judgment that got us into so much trouble. So one of the things that we try to emphasize when we teach is that there are way, you don't have to stuff it. There's a way you can speak it, but you speak it with finesse. You speak it in a responsible way. You talk about yourself rather than what the other person's doing or not doing. And it's really core in our teachings, and it's core in the books that we write as well. Nice. Yeah, I think that's that's so important to remember that there, you know, there are ways that you can quote unquote get it off your chest that work, and there's ways that are really just you know attacking. There's actually a fair amount of research. It's been going on for decades, but even people that are doing therapy aren't really aware that um, Gein was one of the first people in Great Britain who did the research that the more anger you express, the angrier you get. Mm. It doesn't lessen it, plus which invites retaliation from the other person. And afterward, you sometimes feel really guilty and bad. You said things you didn't even really mean. And so it's, it's better to learn the conflict management skills and become artful in the, the, the skill of conscious combat. And it takes, it takes some self-discipline. It takes courage. It takes patience. And uh, there, there are a lot of qualities that we have to develop to be eligible for a great relationship. We were so naive back then, you know, that we really had a lot to learn. Yes, and I think we all do. <laughs> it's so funny, though, that your comment about, you know, you, you you say things in anger and they make you angrier and then you regret them. And as you said that, I was remembering there are certainly times when I've said things in anger where I it was almost like I could see the words coming out my mouth going, why am I saying this? Why am I? I'm not I don't I better not say and it, it still comes out. <laughs> and it's like I'm I'm not in, you know, 
full possession of what I'm saying because there's so much anger and charge to it. Well, you, you probably won't be surprised, Ken, uh, to know that or to hear that um, you're not alone in having <laughs> had that experience. Uh, I, I've actually encountered a few other people, um, myself being one, who could say the exact same thing that you just said. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's kind of hardwired into us to be reactive when we feel triggered, when there's something that touches a button in us, when a raw nerve gets hit, and um, th there's this automatic impulse to just strike back in some way, uh, verbally, or you know, sometimes you know, people do it physically, and that's certainly not a good thing either. Um, but th the good news is that um, even though we all have these tendencies to have these impulsive moments where we want to, and, and we do in fact, lash out. Even those of us who have done spiritual practice and been in therapy and done our inner work um, for years or decades even, from time to time those impulses still get activated. The, the good news about it is, is that we can do a lot to minimize the frequency of those activations and the intensity of them. And even when we fail to interrupt the impulse and we blurt something out, we can always repair the harm or the damage. And that's one of the things that we really try to work with people on. Not so much to, you know, prevent that. Of course, you want to minimize it if you can prevent it, of course. But that, you know, is it's unlikely that you're going to be successful all the time. So when you're not, to, to know and to trust and to have confidence in your ability to make an effective repair on the relationship as quickly as possible. And, and very often what we have found is when people can do this effectively and skillfully, that they not only clear up the, the, the damage that might have been done and neutralize it, but people can actually get more deeply connected as a result of the repair. Yeah, no, it's it's so true, so true. Well, let me let me shift gears a little bit, folks. I, I, what I'd love for us to do now is is if you would share a story of a time, and I, I call it a proud moment in partnership. And, and sometimes it's romantic, sometimes it's family, career. It could be anywhere. But the way I identify those is as soon as I think of that moment, whatever it is, I realize I'm smiling. <laughs> What's one of those for you? I have a very strong memory of when Charlie resigned from the corporate job and we were healing our damaged relationship that had been on starvation rations for so long. And we went to the beach and I had my briefcase with a bunch of notes in it. Uh, didn't have a computer with me at the time, but we were in this co-creative mode where we were brainstorming ideas. I, I uh, quote Ray Bradbury, we were throwing ideas like confetti. Do you know it was like a party, celebration. We were in flow state and we were going back and forth with the ideas. We were brainstorming a course. And on the beach in our bathing suits right at the edge of the water, we wrote this really beautiful course 
um, Partners in Commitment that we taught years ago. There's still remnants of that course in the work that we do today. And I just get a smile on my face when I remember being on that beach in Mendocino and uh, how attuned we were to each other, how in sync we were with each other, how we were um, really respectful of each other's ideas and how we kept building on each other's ideas. And the co-creative flow, I'm happy to say, is characteristic of our relationship frequently this, these days. And it had been largely missing for, for years when we weren't in sync. And so I feel that when you've gone through a rough period and you live to tell the tale and you've learned from that, it makes the sweetness of enjoying your relationship when it works all the deeper. It heightens the experience. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Charlie? Is there one that comes to mind for you? Well, um, there's there's a few. I think the one that I feel uh, at this moment most moved by is um, actually occurred at, at a very difficult time um, in my life and in our relationship, um, which is immediately after the time that Linda just mentioned, after I, I left my job. <clears throat> and um, I, you know, I left it because I, I had become very very clear very quickly that um, uh, the toll that it was taking on our marriage and on the family and <clears throat> in some ways on my own soul because I was so consumed by it. Um, I, I just made a very clear and impulsive decision to leave. Uh, and it was definitely the right choice. But what I hadn't anticipated was that after I left, um, I was going to be leaving um, an environment which in some ways had really uh, filled kind of um, an empty space in my life and it filled it very uh, pleasurably. And all of a sudden I was kind of bereft. I, I was actually experiencing grief from losing um, a sense of purpose that I had. And, um, and I went into a depression for uh, several months. And in that depression, I, I uh, just kind of fell into a state of physical and uh, emotional exhaustion. And I wasn't productive. I wasn't working. And, um, you know, like a lot of men, I had sort of tied in a lot of my value with what I could produce, with what I could contribute to, uh, to my family, to other people. And for the first time in my adult life, I was totally unproductive. I wasn't bringing in any money. I wasn't working. I wasn't really making much of a contribution to anybody. In fact, I was feeling like I was a burden um, to the whole family and to Linda. And I didn't know, uh, you know, how long this was going to last for and, you know, when or if I was ever going to get out of it. I mean, I was really in the bottom of a pit. And um, I remember one day talking to, to Linda and really uh, spilling out a lot of my despair and, and fear and um, uh, anxiety about the future. And, and at one point uh, I said, I just, uh, I'm so sorry, but I, I just feel like I'm totally um, 
useless right now. And um, I'm afraid that, you know, you're just going to get so sick of having to carry this broken, crippled person that, you know, you're going to just run out of uh, patience with me. And um, I really, I really felt that I really meant it. And um, the only reason why I even said it is because I was not, didn't at the time even have enough real strength to keep being, uh, playing out my defensiveness. I was just kind of spilling out whatever was there for me. And, and Linda just looked at me and she basically with incredible clarity, I mean, she looked in my eyes and she said, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm never going anywhere. We're, I'm in this with you for the duration. Um, whenever, you know, you come out of it. And I know you're going to come out of this. Um, and I know that you don't trust that, but I do. And um, I'm not worried. And I'm, I'm there with you. And, and this is not a horrible ordeal for me to go through. It's not, it's not what you think it is. I'm fine. I'm really appreciating how open you are these days. It's about time. And, and uh, I'm, I'm there for the duration. And um, that was sort of like water to uh, uh, a man who was dying of thirst in the desert. And, and that, that just totally relieved me of the uh, anxiety that I had and the pressure I was putting on myself and the judgments I had on myself for not being more, more productive. And that was a turning point for us. Um, I, I, did, I did come out of it, and I began coming out of it shortly after that. And I never went into any, you know, I, you know I've, ha I've had my moments. Uh, you know, I've had my, my down days, but I never, ever fell into anything like that again. And that was uh, 25 years ago. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a moment that uh, I, I feel like I really joined the living again. Wow. That's, that's, as a man hearing that story, that's a very powerful story because w one of the things that, that I've found in working with men, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is when a man can be seen as complete in the moment, that he's got everything he needs to do the best he can right now, whatever that is, it's not the end result. It's where they are now is just recognizes being enough mm -hmm. yeah it's unbelievably empowering to man well you, you know it's interesting that you would mention that Ken because shortly after that um, a colleague uh, of mine and I uh, began um, offering men's retreats weekend retreats and we did that together for about six years and that um, I, I realized doing those retreats that I had gone through that experience First of all, that I wasn't alone in doing it. What I found is that almost all the men could relate to that kind of thing. Not that I necessarily shared it with everybody, but that they had very, very similar feelings and experiences. And, and I was able to put it in perspective and help the men put it in perspective, too, to don't take this so personally because this is not strictly um, solely about you. This is a cultural phenomenon that we have all been um, affected by and and we have to realize that um, the uh, the expectations uh, of uh, and the role models for, for men 
have not been particularly healthy or realistic and and we've got to kind of recover from having taken in a lot of these very dysfunctional expectations that we have of ourselves yeah absolutely thank you for that well linda and charlie uh, we've actually arrived at a part of the show i call this the bring it all home portion and this is where we step away from the stories and i ask you to provide some simple concrete guidance for our listeners that they can take it and apply it in their partnerships right now where i'd like to start is what would you say is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received you know, when I was uh, in a dark place, Charlie agreed to go to a relationship workshop that was facilitated by Stephen Levine and his wife, Andrea. He's recently passed away. We were just at his memorial service. And I was remembering what a turning point it was in my life when we went to that workshop. And he gave me some profound wisdom. He said, you're really attached to what this marriage has to look like, and it would be way better if you loosened up your attachment to what you think it needs to be. And I needed to hear that because I was sure that I was right, right, right. And, man, I had been cherishing this since I was a little girl about the marriage that I wanted to have. And I wanted him to be at the dinner table every night, do the homework with the kids and coach Little League baseball. And it wasn't looking anything like my image of what it would be like. And I was really annoyed about it. And he said, you Basically, your husband's doing the best he can. He's, he's, you know, on this path, it's really important to him. And you need to practice forgiveness for him that he's got this that he needs to do and he's not living up to your expectations. And you need to have some forgiveness for yourself that you're failing at being, you know, wife charming. And it was a difficult lesson for me. But my my spiritual practice at that point was about letting go, letting go, letting go. That was my mantra. And forgive and let go and forgive and let go. So this has become one of the teachings that we pass through because some wise people gave them to us and I pass them along to others. Yeah, that's that's great advice. How about you, Richard? Or Richard, Charlie? Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like there's there's two options for those of us who choose the path of partnership um and uh you know that it requires the the, um ability to really defer your attention to another person and to really give your complete um committed care to them and to support them in their well-being and their happiness in their life, uh, but not to neglect yourself, to hold your own uh, your own well-being and your own truth and your your own sense of purpose as high as you do your commitment to them. And you know, for a lot of some of us are inclined to be more self-focused. That would be me. And then some of us are more inclined to be attentive, sometimes overly so, to the needs of the other person. And um, I think when I finally realized that it wasn't a matter of choosing 
one or the other, but that a happy, healthy life and a happy, healthy relationship meant being skilled and capable of doing both of those things. And, and that it was, in fact, possible because for a long time, it seemed like um, it was something that I had to choose. It was really a matter of um, making either my own well-being my highest priority or sacrificing myself for the purpose of the relationship. <clears throat> and um, when I realized that it was not only possible to do both and to do them both well, that is to to give of myself to my partner without feeling resentful and without neglecting myself and, and to also take care of myself to hold my own, um, my own needs and preferences and desires as a, as a very high priority without neglecting my partner. Uh, as I learned that that was possible and, and, got committed to practicing that, I mean, that, that made a huge difference in my life and in our, in our relationship because I, I really am convinced that a relationship cannot thrive um, if both of those needs are not met. Yeah, that, that's really important advice to, to pay attention to. Thank you for that. Well, I know that you folks have, have written three books, and, and I learned before the show started, and a fourth is on the way. And I'd love to know, outside of your own work, what book, or maybe it's just a resource, that you would recommend to our listeners, and why that particular one? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very fond of Gary Chapman's book, and it's The Five Languages of Love. And it's small, and it's pithy. It's just a jewel. And I recommend it every class that I teach. And I recommend it also quite often when I see individuals and couples, because people tend to give love the way they want it, the way they want it shown to them. Yes. And it's also subjective. <laughs> and he really, you know, kind of whaps people around and said, you better ask. And I think one of the most important questions that we ask the people that we love is, how may I best love you? Because I'm totally touchaholic. So when Charlie hugs me up and, you know, he holds my hand when we walk, I feel so loved. But some people want the words. Some people want the acts of service. Some people want gifts. And some people, it's spending time together, you know, how they spend their quality time when they have leisure time. And then there's idiosyncratic. He just talks about the five most popular ones. But people have very special and unique idiosyncratic ways that they want love shown. And so I think it's really important that you have those kinds of conversations and really show up and pay attention and implement when you learn when the people that you care for give you cues about how they will really feel thoroughly loved. Yeah, that's that is a tremendous resource. And it's I, I love the part you added at the end there, Linda, of actually, you know, follow up on those cues. Because it's easy to go, ah, oh, that's silly. Why would that be loving? That That's terrible to me. So I don't think anybody would appreciate it. When the reality is, it, it's their highest level of, of appreciation and their love is shown by maybe something that you don't like at all. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. How about you, Charlie? 
Yeah, uh, I I'm, I totally agree with that one. Um, I just just want to add one more more thing to it. Sure. That um, the very act of inquiring of your partner, how can I best love you, is an incredibly loving gesture. Because what it communicates is that I care enough about you to want to know as much as I can know about what's going to, you know, what's going to float your boat, what's going to make you happy, because that's what I really want. I want you to be as happy as you can possibly be, because the happier you are, the happier I'm going to be. Not just because you're going to be a lot easier to live with, <laughs> but because um, one of the things that I want most in this relationship is to be able to contribute to your life. I want, to, I want you to feel impacted by my caring, by my love. And that's because I love you, and it's also because doing so makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I'm really um, uh, an effective agent in this relationship that we have, that who I am makes a difference, that I matter. And look at what, look at the impact that I can have. So your happiness and well-being is feedback to me that I'm, I'm, I'm on track. And, you know, a, a lot of us don't, give and receive enough feedback um, to know whether or not we're on track. And if you don't know you, whether or not you're on track, you don't know whether or not you need to put in corrections or what kind of corrections to make. So, so one of the things that Linda and I are always doing is we're always asking each other for feedback. And feedback isn't advice. It's not judgment. It's, it's not beliefs or opinions. It's simply letting the other person know how you are, what, what you are experiencing in response to what they're doing or saying. You know, it's like answering the question, well, how is this working for you right now? Is, is this okay? Is this something that um, uh, would be helpful for you for us to continue in this process or for, for me to continue doing this? Or do you feel complete with this right now? And, and to be able to respond to the, that kind of an inquiry um, in ways that uh, are not judgmental, that don't feel critical, um, but are simply giving information back and forth. So that, that's one of the things that I found tremendously helpful in our relationship is our ability, our commitment to give feedback to each other uh, without any fear that the other person is going to be angry by it or hurt by it because they trust that our intention is to be supportive. And even though some feedback is harder to hear than other feedback, if it's coming from an honest, sincere, caring place, it's so much easier to accept it and to internalize that and then to act in, in accordance with it. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I would say about that. Excellent. Thank you, Charlie. Well, folks, I, I think it's clear to, to all our listeners, it's certainly clear to me that, that you two have an amazing resource of, of information and, and guidance to share with folks. And would you do me a favor? Would you let our listeners know how do they contact you? How do they learn more about what you do? 
Well, if they can remember Charlie Bloom or Linda Bloom or Bloomwork, it'll take them right to our website. And there's a phone number there, and there's our email addresses there, and we got all kind of free things on our our website because we blog for four different places and so all of these rich material that they if they want to read the blogs they can and there's some videotapes on there so people can actually get to know us by seeing the the video clips so it's bloomwork.com it's singular it's not bloomworks bloomwork.com and they'll find us and mm -hmm. they can find us to have counseling or come to a workshop at Esalen on the west coast or Kripalu on the east coast and the other places that we teach and a lot of people do phone counseling with us and sometimes they come and do an intensive where they spend a whole day or two days with us nice and for all of you listening all those links will be on the Speaking of Partnership website. We'll have a special page for Linda and Charlie's interview, and they will have all the links to them, how to get a hold of them, so that you can contact them very easily. Because I'm guessing you're probably not sitting there with the pen and paper as you listen. You're probably doing something else. So know that that's available to you, and it'll be very easy for you to find them when you get done and are ready to contact them. Well, Linda and Charlie, thank you so much. Your, your stories, your insights, really, really powerful. I like I said, I, I've, I've learned a lot from this. Such a rich conversation. Thank you for being on the show today. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot, Ken. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.